Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Uh, So today we are in week two of our Breath of Life message series, which is, um, we just started last week, where we're exploring passages of Scripture where God's breath uh, of life is breathed out in uh, various circumstances and ends up having an incredibly transformative effect on whatever it touches. Um, And so we want to see how God's breath can impact our lives. And so that's what we're doing. And so last week, uh, we began with this key thought. If you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, It's kind of guiding us throughout our three weeks. The key thought is this is just like our lungs and our chest need air to breathe, to survive. Our spiritual lungs need the breath of life in order to thrive. We need God's breath of life in our spiritual lungs in order to thrive in our lives. And so that's our key thought. Well, last week we began our series by talking about one element of God's breath of life, and that is his creative breath, right? And we learned that God's breath of life has the power to create something where there is nothing, And we know that God wants to create dreams inside of us, that he wants to create understanding inside of us, that God has plans for us, that he wants to to shape us and to say, I have something good for you, and that he has that. He births it. His breath of life creates dreams, but also he wants to give us insight. He wants to give us understanding. Sometimes it's situations in our lives, but also it's sometimes scripture that his breath speaks over us and unlocks areas of confusion about his word and scripture for us. And so he wants to do that. And that's what we learned about last week. Well, this week we're going to examine another element of God's uh, breath of life, and that is his restoring breath, the restoring breath. So uh, about a month ago, my son Lincoln was complaining about chest pains. He uh, would go to, go to school. My wife and I would leave in the mornings, and we would get up and go to work, and we would drive. And then I would get text messages from him around 8.30 saying that he was dri- walking to the bus stop. And in our house, we have a, a big hill that you have to walk up to get to the, the main road and then out to the bus stop. Well, he would text us saying that he was having trouble breathing that his chest was really tight. Um, He had had a cold for a few weeks before that, and he was coughing, and it couldn't seem to to get rid of it. And so his chest was just causing him to to be tight. He would try to take deep breaths, and it would just be really tight. So we took him to the doctor, and the doctor ran tests, did the stethoscope thing, had him breathe deep in and out, and and he, uh, you know, would breathe in, and he would say complaining of this tightness in his chest. So the doctor prescribed an inhaler for him. Um, which inside that inhaler is medicine. And so what she said was, I want you to take this once or twice a day, then I want you to push the button and breathe deep in and inhale this healing medicine, right? That's what inhalers do. So over the course of a couple weeks, he would, in the morning, he would get up, and particularly when he was feeling this way, he would take the inhaler and breathe it in, and then he began to get better. This is what we're talking about with God's breath of life, his restoring breath of life. It's like there is something going on in our life, maybe something that's broken, maybe something that needs healing, something that needs repaired, and God has the ability to breathe into our lives and to heal it. We want, just like I said, our spiritual lungs need the breath of life to 
thrive, his restoring breath, is God wants us to breathe his spirit into us like an inhaler in a way and allow God's power to be able to restore things that are broken or hurting in our lives. And so today we're going to explore a story out of Ezekiel chapter 37, which is about the valley of dry bones. And we're going to see a picture of how God breathes on something and restores something where something seems dead. Now, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open them up. If you don't have Bibles, I encourage you to pick one up for free at our Connection Center. We also have uh, the Bible app on your phone. You can download it at the, uh, the App Store or wherever you get your apps. I encourage you to do that because not only can you follow along on Sunday, but you can actually have the Bible with you anywhere you go. Get the Bible app. You can do it right now. I won't be upset if I see you on your phone. Ezekiel chapter 37. It's in the Old Testament. Ezekiel was a prophet. A prophet of God, a man who was actually trained, okay? His job, he spent time in school and learned to hear the voice of God speaking to him, and his job was to hear what God would say and then to declare it over the people in his life. Oftentimes, it was with kings. Imagine that. And usually, the message was, God's upset with you. Or there's something that is not going on right, and I have to tell you that. Imagine being that. Imagine being the guy who was spoken to by God, and your job was to go to President Trump and tell him, you know, or or a cabinet member or some official who had the ability to throw you in jail or whatever. This was the job of a prophet. So Ezekiel was trained to do this. And in chapter 37, verses 1 through 10, we see God speak or give a vision to Ezekiel. And this is about restoration. We're going to read it here. Ezekiel chapter 37. This is very interesting. Let's read together. The hand of the Lord was on me. In other words, I'm in that moment, right, the, the prophetic moment, which is hard for us to understand, okay? Um, it's kind of like it was like a trance-like state in a way. And it sounds very strange, but he was having a dream or a vision as the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of a valley. So think of it like a dream, okay? Like for whatever reason, he might be in his bed, who knows? Maybe he's praying somewhere, and God's just showing him pictures, okay? And he sets me down in the middle of a valley, It was full of bones, and he led me all around them. So he's kind of walking, and he's seeing this vast valley with bones everywhere. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Now, we're going to stop here for a second. This valley was the site of a long-forgotten battle. There were two armies that fought each other, two or more armies that fought each other to the point of where there were bodies strewn all over the valley floor. And they must have decimated each other to the point of where no one came back to bury their dead. Oftentimes, you see in movies or we know from history that typically you would want to come back after the battle and then take your your dead and bury them. Well, in this case, for some reason, we don't know exactly why, their bodies were not buried. And time and the elements have come through over time, a long time, and have stripped these bodies down to the bone. Maybe animal scavengers have come along, and probably the Bible says there were bones all over. So it wasn't skeletons or bodies. It was just bones. So the likelihood is that animals, scavengers, were kind of ripping apart the meat and those types of things, and then bones just ended up all over the place. And then maybe 100 years go by, maybe 200 years go by, and time and the elements bleach and dry out these bones. So all that Ezekiel saw was a valley of just complete crackling, powdery, frail bones. That's all he saw. And he brought him here to show him death, to show him decay beyond repair. Why? To prove a point about who God is and what he wants to do. Let's continue reading in verse 3. 
So then God takes Ezekiel and says, look at all of this. And he says, son of man, can these bones live? So the first thing that God does is brings him to this place of decay, hundreds of years possibly of just death and forgottenness and brokenness, and says, can these bones live? Well, last week we talked about dreams, right? We talked about how God wants to create dreams, that God wants to give us understanding, that God wants to create beautiful, wonderful things. He has plans for us. But what about dead dreams? What about forgotten dreams? What about broken relationships and dead relationships? What about those types of things? You see, what God was doing in this space was not just proving a point to Ezekiel. He's speaking to us today, too. He's asking the question, can these bones live? Can these bones live is what he's asking Ezekiel. Can I do the impossible, Ezekiel? Can I do the impossible in your life? What about your broken relationships? Can I do the impossible in your dead dreams? And maybe God is asking us this question. Who am I? Who do you believe that I am? I think that's really the question that God was saying. Can these bones live? What he's saying to Ezekiel is, who do you think I am? At your core, who do you think that I am? Can I do something that seems impossible? Maybe God today is asking you the same question. So what does Ezekiel say? We continue. He says, I replied, Lord God, only you know. I mean, this response is similar, right? This is what I would say. I don't know, God. I I mean, like, imagine that for a second. If God took you to a place where you were in front of this vast valley of dead bones and said, can these things live? I'm going to be like, this sounds like a trick. It sounds like a trick question, right? And so Ezekiel turns back to God and says, Lord, only you know. In other words, I can't see it. It's impossible for me to do it. It's hard for me to imagine it. And if anyone can, it's really just you. You're the only one who could. So I would ask you today, what is it in your life that you can't imagine God restoring? Is there something in your life today that you cannot possibly imagine that God might be saying, hey, can these bones live? He's looking at you in this space in your life, a dream that you have forgotten about, something that's broken in your life, and he's asking you today, is there something in your life that right now you cannot possibly imagine that could be restored? Maybe you're in debt up to your eyeballs and your hopes and dreams of maybe moving out of a certain neighborhood or moving into a new neighborhood or being into a place or having more things or just being out of poverty or or just getting your finances under control. Maybe that's where you're at today. And you're thinking, there's just no way for me, for my finances to ever get better. Maybe that's where you're at today. Perhaps your marriage is on the rocks. Or maybe you're in a space where you're thinking to yourself, this is as good as it's ever going to get in my relationship. Maybe with a family member, a broken brother or a sister or a son or a daughter or somebody who in your life is not connected to you the way that you wish it would be. Your heart hurts for that relationship, and you're thinking, I just don't see a way that it could ever get any better. Maybe it's a friend or a family member. Maybe it's your faith in God. Perhaps you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, I just can't see anything else about about God. I've tried so many times. Maybe you feel like God has let you down, and you're in a place where you only come and you're just kind of going through the motions, and you feel like, I don't know what I think about it anymore. Maybe, Maybe you walk in guilt and in shame. Maybe you wrap yourself around shame with shame like a coat, like you wear it like it's, like it's your job because of something that happened to you. Perhaps you, you just feel like this is what you deserve. I don't know. Whatever it is in your life, 
a long-forgotten dream. Maybe your life has just beaten you down to where you used to be that person who you would say, man, I had excitement in my life. I was passionate about something, and I was, I was going to be this person who's going to change the world or whatever it might be. And now you look back 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, I don't know, and you think to yourself, you know what, life has just kind of had its taken its toll on me. I don't know where you find yourself today. Ezekiel was asking this question, asked the question, my God, can these bones live? And his response is, only you know, God. I can't see it. But if anyone can, it's you. And his response was one of trust in God's ability, but also his intent. Do you remember last week we used that word ruach, right? The word for breath, ruach. Everybody say that, ruach. Right. This is a Hebrew word, which means intentional breath. And we're going to see that word pop up here in a minute. Now, Ezekiel would have been very familiar with God's ability and his power to create and his power of action, because he would have been trained to know the stories of Elijah and the stories of Elisha, who were two of the greatest prophets of God that happened before Ezekiel's time. And both of those guys actually saw dead people come back to life. Both of them saw it. Now, nothing like this, but Elijah and Elisha, both of them prayed for someone who had recently passed away, and they came back to life. So Elijah, Ezekiel would have been trained and would have known that story. So when God says, can these bones live? He would have had the knowledge that God has the power to do something incredible. He knew that. But his response was still flooded with, but I can't see it because there's no way I could possibly see this happening. And if anybody can, God, you're the only one who could ever do anything like this. So Ezekiel's answer is one of understanding God's power of his breath of life, not only to create, but also to restore And so that brings us to our first principle of God's restoring breath. If you're taking notes, write this down. Ezekiel understood that dead things only come to life by the power of God's breath. Dead things only come to life by the power of God's breath. And it requires a faith in that source. If you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, there are things in my life that I wish that God would restore that there are things that my heart cries for, that I'm broken over because of that thing, whatever it is that's dead or broken or hurt, and you say, God, would you please? The only response is for you to have faith in understanding that dead things only come to life by the power of God's breath. And so a foundation has to be set. That has to set the tone for it, that that's part of who God's character is, that he is a restoring God. It's who he is. We have to have faith that only by his word can something that is dead come back to life. Well, then the natural question becomes, how do we go from that belief or foundation to actually seeing restoration in our lives? Well, let's continue reading, and I think we're going to see some insights into that. Verse 4 says, well, he said, God said to Ezekiel, well, then prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, if I'm Ezekiel, I'm like, what? Right? Right? prophesy to these bones. He says, say, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath, ruach, intentionality, to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath, ruach, in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I think it's interesting that God asks Ezekiel to speak to the bones. I think it's very interesting 
And Ezekiel responds to God saying, God, you can do whatever the heck that you want to do. Dead things only come to life by the power of God's breath. And so God doesn't just do it to display his power, which he could, right? If God wanted to, he doesn't need our opinion. God could just step in and do whatever the heck that he wants to do. But instead, he turns back to Ezekiel and he says, you speak to the bones. Why? Why does God ask Ezekiel to do that? What is the point of all of this? God, what are you showing me? What are you trying to say to us today? Why don't you just do it yourself? This is the question that I think everybody's asking in the room. What is God saying to us today? And here's the second principle of God's restoring breath. If the first one is that dead things only come to life through the power of God's breath, the second thing is that God wants to restore through us rather than for us. God wants to restore through us rather than for us. He doesn't just want to have like a handout because God cares more about who we are than the things that we do or the things that are affecting us. And over and over again, we see in Scripture that God, when he acts, oftentimes includes the people with him. We see it all the time. Yes, God can do it himself. He could. He literally could. But he he prioritizes participation and partnership. We see it over and over again in Scripture that God prioritizes partnership and participation. He cares about that thing that's breaking your heart, but he cares more about you and who you are becoming. And he calls you to participate so that you can see him at work up close and learn from him and see his character. And when we do, it's transforming. It's transforming. There are so many people who receive things and don't have a participation with it, and they begin to take it for granted. And because God participates, he calls us to partner with him. He doesn't have to worry about us taking for granted his his affection and his love and his generosity, his ability, because we saw it firsthand that he began changing us in the process. We see it all over the place. Entitlement grows out of just free gifts all the time, right? We see it. But when people participate, when they have a hand in it, it begins to change them. It's the simple concept of why people, why they charge small tickets for entry to even something that's designed to be a gift. Because people know that when we're given something, oftentimes our expectation is lowered. But in this case, God says, I want you to participate because I want to change you in the process. God is more interested in restoring through us than he is restoring for us. So God looks at Ezekiel and he tells him to prophesy to the bones. And Ezekiel is now faced with a choice. Am I going to step out in faith and act on what God has spoken to me? And I think that we are faced with the same question here today. Do I speak into my life that God is going to restore what I see as lost? Am I going to do that? Will I take steps of faith believing that God is going to show up in this area of my life? Will I speak in faith to my family and to my friends? what I'm believing God for? Do I believe God is able to and that he intends to? Ezekiel had to make that choice. So how do we go from that belief that God can and wants to to actually seeing restoration? Let's look at verse 7. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And while I was prophesying, there was a noise, 
a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And as I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breathe, breath, come from the four winds, and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them, the ruach, the intentional breath of life, and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. What I want to draw attention to here is while I was prophesying. While I was prophesying, once I decided to use my breath, the one that God has given me, my actions, once I've decided to use my faith, once I decided to align that with God's intention for restoration, an incredible miracle of restoration took place. And that brings us to our third principle of God's restoring breath, is that the miracle often comes after we step out in faith. You see, what God was showing Ezekiel was, I can do whatever the heck I want, but I am more interested in showing you, Ezekiel, who I am and changing you. And Ezekiel's ministry was defined later on by this moment. Every prophet that we'd seen prior to this had a moment, like Elijah raising the dead, Elisha raising the dead. And in this case, Ezekiel seeing that God could do something that no one could ever imagine. But it it changed differently. He didn't just get to watch God do it. Elijah said, I will step out in faith that my God wants to heal something, that he wants to restore something. So the principle is to live our lives based on the foundation that God wants to restore. We have to believe that. We have to believe that that's a part of his character because I think this is where we get stuck. So many of us go, but how do I know that God wants to heal my relationship with my wife? How do I know that God wants to restore that dream that he put in there? How do I know that God wants my finances to be in a stable place because that's who God is. We see it all throughout scripture. God says, I want good things for you. I want to give you the good things. We know that he wants us to be wise stewards of our finances. We know that he wants to bring people together, not divide. So those things, and we see it all throughout scripture that he is a God of healing, a God of restoration. I can't promise you that every single thing that you want in your life is going to be healed. What I know is that it's his, it's who he is. And we have to start our lives by not thinking the opposite. Well, I guess this is just the way that it is. No, instead what we see from this passage of scripture is God looks at him and says, who do you think I am? Do you think that I can? Do you think that I want to? And Ezekiel was faced with a question where he said, am I going to live my life out of the idea that God might do something? Up to this point, God didn't tell him to do anything. Up to this point, he just heard a question, and then God said, I might want to. I said, do this thing, but I had no promise that it would happen. And he steps out in faith. He starts telling his friends, guys, I don't know, I was just praying the other day, and I really felt like God said, don't give up on my marriage. Or maybe God says to you, I just, I feel like, you know what, I I heard a sermon on Sunday about finances, and I just feel like it's time. Something clicked in my heart, and I know that God's going to take us out of poverty. I know that he's going to help me uh, know how how to get a good job and to start budgeting, whatever it might be. But we have to say at some point, I heard God speak, and I'm not going to start walking as if it's going to happen. And that might be just saying it out loud that a friend of yours is like, 
man, you're just going to be stuck there forever. I don't believe that. I don't believe that I'm going to be stuck in this forever. I believe God has something better for me. It might be telling your soul that, like we said a few weeks ago in our Soul Detox series. Tell your soul when it lies to you, when Satan wants to lie to you that this is who you are, that's all you have for you. you God has forgotten you. You say, no, that's not true. I know that I am, that God is for me, that, his, that I'm greater than the, the one who is against me. I know that God is a restorer. I know that God wants to heal. I know that it breaks God's heart that my marriage is falling apart. I know it breaks God's heart that my son or my daughter doesn't want to have a relationship with me or with my kids or whatever it might be. It breaks his heart. And so what he's saying is, I am a healer. Do you believe? that I can restore. And when we say, yes, God, I believe you can, but I can't see it. All we have to do is start in a place of saying, I believe it, God. I believe it. And then he says, start walking in that area and you begin to see it. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know. I'm not, I understand that the concept here is that he just started obeying God. And in your case, it might just be obeying the word of the Lord, which is believe that God is who he says he is and speak that into your own life. That might be the first step for you. And just start telling people that. If you heard God say, go back to school, then you should start looking at, at schools. You understand what I'm saying? If God's telling you, I want you to, to write a book or I want you to start a business, and you're thinking, I'm so far away from how that could possibly happen. God's breath is just saying to you, I can do it. Would you believe? And just start walking. Just start making choices. We know sometimes, though, that when we pray and we trust and we believe and we act in faith and then we pray more and then we wait and sometimes it doesn't seem like anything is happening at all or that it hasn't happened or might not even happen at all. So for the broken things, the dead things in our lives that we want God to restore, what do we do? How do we, how do we move forward? I have three quick things. Number one, ask God. Ask God. Maybe turn it around and just say, God, can these bones live? This thing in my life, can these bones live? The dream in your heart that God put there. We talked about that last week. The relationship that's broken, the financial situation you find yourself in, your job situation, whatever it is, that broken area of your life. Ask God, can this thing live? Can these bones live? Hear God speak to you. Allow his word to transform you. Read passages of scripture on healing. Read passages of scripture on restoration. Read passages of scripture. Spend time with people who have seen God do miracles in their lives. Go to a life group and talk about your struggles and allow God's people to encourage you. Allow them to walk with you in your struggle. Can these bones live? Ask God. But number two is affirm, affirm faith. Only you can, Lord. Only you can. You go to a life group or in your private time of prayer and you say, God, I, I desperately want my, my, my son or my daughter to come back into this family. I desperately want to be out of debt. I've made horrible decisions, but I want to make good decisions and I don't want to suffer in this place anymore. Whatever it might be for you, God, can these bones live? And then you affirm faith. I believe that if anyone can do it, you can do it. You can do it. That's who you are. Affirm it. Start taking steps in that direction. And number three, act accordingly. Ask God. Affirm faith and act accordingly. He says, prophesy to those bones. Pray over your marriage. Pray over your finances. Speak to them in faith that God is a healer. I will not lay down and take this. Yes, my decisions 
or someone else's decisions may have caused this problem, but God is a God who doesn't, who's not held back or shackled by other people's decisions. He can do what he wants to do. And I believe that today God is speaking hope into your life. He wants to restore something, but we have to say, okay, God, I hear you. I believe that that's what you want. I will begin to take steps. I'll put my heart out there again to the one who's hurt me. I might guard it. I might put boundaries around it. I'm going to, you know, try to, to budget appropriately, and I might miss a couple bills here or there as it gets up and running, whatever it might look like, but I'm not going to sit back and not do anything anymore because I believe that as I act in faith, that my God, who's a restorer, will begin to put things into play just like he did for Ezekiel. As he began prophesying, bones started to rattle. It was a process. Speaking with our words, with our actions, and with our expectations, it's so important. But here's what I would say for some of you who don't feel like you see God doing it right away. Maybe you're like, I'm listening for the rattle, God. I don't hear the rattle, God. Hold on. Be patient. Trust in God's character. Just because you don't see him moving doesn't mean that he can't or that he won't or that he doesn't want to. Hold on. God is good even when my situation is bad. You understand? Trust God. God, cry out to him. Act accordingly. Trust God's timing. Trust his will. Trust his character. I'm going to close with a quick story. When my wife and I first got married, we made a lot of bad decisions financially. I remember, I remember literally sitting in a, in a car with my two best friends in college. And I was like, I'm going to go to Best Buy today. And I'm going to buy an Xbox the original Xbox. It was like $300, $400 or something. I was a college student. So how do college students pay for things that they don't have money for? Credit cards, right? So I bought one of them. I remember them saying, Jared, you don't need that. Jared, don't go into debt over. I remember hearing that from them. I remember them like begging and pleading and I wouldn't hear it. When Heather and I got married, we racked up $5,000 of credit card across multiple credit cards. And then we couldn't pay them because we didn't have good jobs. So lo and behold, we get married, we have a baby, right? We're living in a tiny little apartment where we don't have any money. You can't, I got fired from a job. There's all sorts of reasons of things. I was a mess, right? Couldn't pay our bills. Our credit rating went to the tank. Our interest rates skyrocketed on everything. It has a compounding effect. Seven or eight years into our marriage, we are broke. Our finances are in the toilet. We, we would try to budget, but it wouldn't work properly because we had no discipline. Our credit rating was in the tank and all the dreams that we had for our lives were gone. There was no way we would ever be able to buy a house. There's no way that we would ever be able to be generous. The, the dream that Heather and I have had for a long time of sponsoring a child with food, like we're still not there yet. But that was like so far away from me. I was getting collection calls. I tell you so many times my phone would ring and it'd be some 800 number. It put pain into my heart. I just squeezed my chest like my son in his chest every time we breathed because it was, I just, every time my phone would buzz in my pocket, I felt like someone was coming after me. I was on the verge of bankruptcy. And I remember praying to God, is this all that my life is going to be? I understand that I made mistakes. I understand that I was stupid, but I feel like I've learned these lessons, God. When is enough enough? That's how I felt. And I remember praying, God, please, I don't even have to buy a house. I don't even have to buy a new car. I just don't want collection people anymore. I, want to be, I don't even want to be out of debt. I just want to have a manageable amount. That was when I, and I remember going to church one time at Lifestone in Southside. Pastor Jack Thomas was preaching a series on giving. And I'm like, I don't have any money to give. I have nothing. 
I was like that. Maybe you're in that space. This is not a message about that, but I remember something clicked, which I know is the breath of God, the restoring breath of God, speaking over my life. I have more for you. I have something for you, but you have to begin to take some small steps that, I, that you believe that I can do it. And so Heather and I sat at home and we talked about it and God had spoken to both of us and we began, we said we're going to put God first. We had hardly any money at all and any money that we set aside was going to take money from a bill. That's the way it was for us. And I remember making the decision that we're going to take the 10% of our money and put it into the church first. Again, we're not talking about that topic, but I want you to see how God operates. He spoke to my heart. I aligned myself with something in that moment because I heard God speak to me. I'd heard that same message or something like it probably 50 times in my life until that moment. Something changed because God spoke. His breath of life spoke into me. I inhaled it for the first time. It wasn't just inhaling and then spitting it back out. No, I allowed it to breathe into my chest. And something changed that day. And over and over, we began putting God first. And lo and behold, the money was there. We ended up getting our finances under control little by little. It was months and months and years and years. Our credit rating began to be restored. We were able to find decent jobs. We were able to pay off some of our debts. And just this past summer, we bought a house for the first time in our lives that I thought was never going to be possible because of God's restoring breath. Dead things only come to life by the power of God's breath. God wants to restore through us rather than for us. And I can tell you that if God had given me a house 15 years ago, I would probably have had that house repoed because I wasn't the man that I am now because of what God did in me as I went through this process. That's why God doesn't just give us things. That's why he brings us through so that we can enjoy it truly. The miracle often comes after we step out in faith. Would you stand with me? Let's use our breath that God has placed in our lungs to respond to God in prayer and worship as we close. Father, I thank you for your restoring breath. God, for some of us in the room right now, we are looking around the valley of our lives and we see nothing but ruins and bones and decay and death. Crushed dreams, broken hearts. And you're asking us today, can these bones live? God, my response to you is, I can't see it. I don't know if you can, if it can, or if you will, but I know that only you can be the one to do it. And so I put my faith in you, and I encourage each one of you in the room today to do the same thing. Set the foundation in your heart that dead things only come to life through the power of God's breath, and that God wants to restore, that God wants to heal. He wants to do it through us, not just for us. Just start speaking to him now under your breath, out loud, whatever you want to do in your heart. Look at that thing, whatever it is, that area of your life, and just be honest with him. Say, God, can you, can you bring this back to life? Do you want to bring this back to life? Would you? And speak faith into that. I know you can. I know that you are a God of restoration, of repurposing, of regenerating. 
I know that's who you are. And I know that if you decide to, just the breath of your word will set it into motion. I believe it. And now I commit to taking steps of that in my heart and in my life. I will speak out positively. I believe God is going to heal this. I believe that God gave me that dream 20 years ago, and he's going to bring it to fruition. I believe it. Start taking steps, whatever that looks like. Ask God. Stay close to him. Hold on to his shirt. Say, God, I want to stay as close as I can to you to hear you speaking to me about what I should do. But act, act, act. I believe, God, we all believe, we're saying collectively, we believe that as we speak out in faith, as we believe it at the core of who we are, as we walk in a direction towards what you've promised us, that you will begin to work. We trust you in your timing. We trust you in your your will. We trust in your character. God, would you heal? Would you restore the broken areas of our lives? Revive the dead dreams in our lives. Cannot wait to hear the stories that are going to come out of this in the coming weeks, months, and years. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's close our service this morning by just singing a chorus of a song together. Let's seal what God has said in our hearts. Let's respond to him and worship before we close. closed the bridge of this song says your life, your death your blood was shed for every moment every moment and I think that's what we want to center on as we close this morning that it wasn't just for the state of our souls like salvation, right, that space that know that Jesus said I have come to give you life and life abundantly, life to the full This is not talking about a prosperity gospel. It's that a father in heaven loves his children and wants us to be healthy, wants us to be whole, wants our relationships to be whole because that's who he is. And so his blood is not just a ticket to heaven. It covers us so that we can begin to walk in faith in a relationship with him so that the things that we care about, the things that he created in us can also find restoration every moment of life, encountering God in real So God, we close this morning just saying thank you that you care about the little things in our lives, the little things and the big things. Thank you that we can know you in all the areas of our lives, even the ugly, messy, embarrassing ones, that you're there. You will listen. You're not, you don't shy away. You don't run away from the gross things that we have done or that we think about or the shame that we carry, but instead you welcome us to walk with us and to transform us. I thank you for that. We look to you as we move from this place. 
and trust that you will restore all things in your time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, thank Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.